This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening. Welcome to the Late Late Show on Teachers Talk Radio with your host, Ray. Today, we tonight, we will be discussing positive masculinity, how to engage boys in the classroom and in their education. I will be joined by my, de- my guest, Dave, who is a teacher and pastoral lead in a secondary school in the Midlands, and hopefully we'll hear from more of you as well. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. All right, so good evening. We are experiencing minor technical difficulties and I'm hoping that our guest Dave is able to join us right now. Um, The topic tonight is boys, teaching boys, trying to teach boys, successfully teaching boys, attempting and failing to teach boys, all of these and more. Um, I've got some personal experiences with this. I'm obviously at a, a mixed secondary school in Derby. My guest Dave is also at a mixed secondary school in the Midlands, and um, he's he's also a, a, a head of year. But I'll let him introduce himself in a few minutes. It's it's been a bit of a shock to my system, having worked in an all girls school for eleven years, with only a brief period of time uh, at a mixed school. But it was a very different type of school to the one I'm in now. It was the type of school where if you don't sit down and be quiet and 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 toe the line, then you end up not being at that school anymore at all. So it was, a, it was a very kind of strict, rigid school. And now I find myself in a much more inclusive, much more warm, uh, caring environment, or at least one that, you know, really, really tries hard to be. And the approach to student engagement and student behavior and, and students' um, the way they are in and outside of the classroom is, is very, very different. So um, I've never in my life been faced with a room half full of male students and and really had to work to keep them engaged. So I'm finding myself in a bit of a difficult position professionally and thought that I cannot be the only one, I cannot be the only one who's dealing with this. Um, and it turns out I, I absolutely am not. So um, when I was researching this topic, I, I came across some, some very interesting statistics. So according to uh, UCAS from 2018, so this is five years old now, and it's obviously pre-COVID, who knows how that's impacted things. But um, as of 2018, over 29,000 more girls applied to university than boys at age 18. And uh, in, in secondary schools, the, the average progress rate score for girls is well in the positive. It's I think it's not point. Two two, and the average for boys is in the negatives, not 0.25. And again, that might be a few years old now, but it's there. There, there is a difference. There's a difference in attainment. There's a difference in attitudes. There's a difference in all sorts. And I want to be really, really careful when talking about this because it's it's to me it's dangerous territory because so much of this conversation depends on sweeping generalizations and definitions of of boys and girls that are lacking any kind of nuance or or inclusivity. And I want to be really clear about that. When I'm talking about girls and I'm talking about boys, talking about the sex on their birth certificate, 
the the sex that is that they provide when they enroll in a particular school and obviously if we're talking about including boys in education and in, in improving their engagement then we are going to be making some sweeping generalizations because no no two students are the same no two people are the same it's every individual is obviously unique so this this is kind of a, a generalized discussion um, in and of itself so there may be some things that are said or, or that are phrased slightly crudely and I, I think we should all just bear in mind and be very very aware that not every student necessarily fits into either one of those categories and that everyone obviously is an individual so i think as long as we're clear on that from the get-go we should be able to have our generalized conversation of generalizations and and kind of get on with things so my as i said my personal experience is one of um i often feel like i'm wading through murky water and instead of being surrounded by alligators or, or crocodiles or anacondas or whatever strange creatures you find in there they're 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 boys there are boys there, and I, ju I just want to get to the other side. I just want I just want all of the students in my classroom to learn the thing I want them to learn, but I can't get through the water because of the boys lurking. <laughs> and I'm becoming very concerned with my own viewpoint and my own attitude toward this. And I feel like I need I need to speak to someone, speak to people who maybe have or are currently experiencing similar challenges, and maybe we can hash out some of the issues and clarify some things and ideally come to to some um solutions maybe some suggestions about what might actually be working um so is is dave dave can you hear me okay are you there hi Ray. yeah how are you hello i'm good good to hear your voice um do you want to introduce yourself and <laughs> just to tell tell everyone a little bit about you and your background and um why this is a relevant topic to your life yeah certainly um so i've been uh, i say only i've been a teacher for 12 years which um by the week almost feels like it's not enough experience sometimes to have um i've been in uh three different mm -hmm. secondary schools now all mixed um obviously Couple okay. of schools for all the training and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, been in, in and around the north of um, two schools there of varying different uh, affluences and backgrounds of students, I'd guess, is probably the, the best way yeah. to say that. Um, and obviously, uh, more recently found my way uh, down to the wards of the Midlands, which um, has obviously honestly been so like a really big learning curve um, for different reasons uh, in terms of so like um the affluency of the areas uh that obviously working in and students backgrounds is vastly different as well uh and then obviously with those within that 12 years five of them have been in a pastoral middle um i guess middle leader role mm -hmm. uh, which again has come with its own challenges and backgrounds uh the types of situations they deal with uh, has changed moving from the north of England down to, as we say now, towards the Midlands is, um, yeah, different challenges uh, have come about. Ones that maybe I expected, ones maybe I wasn't necessarily prepared for. Uh, and now obviously teaching um, in, in a school in this area uh, has been, yeah, um, 
<laughs> so it's been difficult to try and overcome some of the challenges that presented within the classroom. Um, if we take away the pastoral role for a moment, the the manner in which to go about classroom behaviour is certainly different. Uh, the approach to it mm -hmm. uh, and the responses you get from students in those classrooms has definitely changed. Uh, and uh, yeah, boys are, have been typically, as you say in the lead up there with the statistics and stuff, are traditionally more difficult to potentially uh i say get results out get results yeah. out of but um, i don't necessarily mean that in the sort of broader sense like we're teachers that's what we aim for eventually but in terms of um before that in key stage three working away uh, down towards obviously the lower years the secondary school is instilling those general beliefs and how we want them to manage the classroom and even there presents its difficulties then yeah. moving into gcse you then obviously have um different challenges in terms of they've picked the topics they want to pick but then necessarily um aren't always the best options for what they want going forward so mm -hmm. yeah it's been a an interesting sort of like I've, I've just circle back around learning curve and obviously um one that's definitely going to be around for a while <laughs> yeah and i've 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 found that as well because i've been working in london as well for the past 13 years so I'm also relatively new to the, the, the uh, geographical area, which obviously uh, every area is different and brings its own set of challenges. And I think I had underestimated the differences, the vast array of differences. And people people say said things to me when I, I moved up here full-time last summer, you know, oh, it's so different and it's it's not London and you know, it's, it's, it's just a whole different world as soon as you get outside the M25. And I just was like, come on, it's <laughs> kids are kids. It's not that bad. And they'd start talking about, you know, um, socioeconomic deprivation, cultural deprivation, which I was talking a lot about in the show two weeks ago. And I just thought, yeah, well, you know, London's got really deprived areas too. It'll be fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> and had not really grasped the the depths of the swamp into which I was sinking. And I say that with love because I am enjoying it, but it's, um, it is very different as you said. Um, so what I'm trying to think to be, yes, let's, let's start with teachers. What do you think are the main differences between, um, teaching boys where we are in the Midlands area now to, to other places you've been other places you've taught? Um, I think it's like the general approach to how they feel about school. Um, mm -hmm. So working in uh, Middlesbrough for five years, uh, obviously deprivation wise, there's um, huge contrast of wealth uh, in between mm -hmm. sort of like the different regions of Middlesbrough. Um, and that does obviously come into our schools as well. Uh, I think yeah. Sort of, uh, the kids know that. Um, obviously, they live and grow up in the area. They come from all those different backgrounds. They see uh, the area around them. They've got, obviously, Newcastle very close. Uh, well, I say close. It's an hour uh, <laughs> on the uh, <laughs> an hour's drive, which I guess where yeah. speaking is pretty close. You've then got York, which is obviously then a very sort of vastly different affluent area with you've got, obviously, quite a lot of wealth coming from there. And then you've got Middlesbrough in the middle, which is generally, as you see, is forgotten. Um so to speak, yeah. in a sense of uh, this northern powerhouse they want to create, but sometimes they forget that 
uh, various huge differences within that and the way in which people go about school is they see how um, the easiest way to get out of those places is <coughs> sitting down in the classroom and uh, learning and getting the best they can because they don't necessarily want to stay in those particular places forever. They know the best way out to get an education, go to university across any part of the country if they're choosing um, with any particular grades, as, is, as can anyone else. Yeah. Um, you get the you get the necessary grades, you can go wherever you choose. Uh, that's the options available to everyone. Um, and then obviously coming to down towards the Midlands, I think we need to instill that belief in them, as that has done up north as well, that there is a genuine uh, approach to things that in school, if you're able to get the grades you want, that you still have the opportunities for everyone else to go to universities, go to college. And uh, sometimes it's maybe a bit more difficult to instill in boys who as you said at the start traditionally don't view education um as uh as important lower down the years and then some of the penny drops in gcse uh and then they realize that oh, actually i need to concentrate and knuckle down and um i can get the best grades i want but sometimes that penny drops a bit too late um, yeah yeah and some some people would say that's that's sorry to interrupt some people would say that's you know oh, well there's a it's it's the rate at which they're maturing you know girls supposedly mature faster than boys so they're they supposedly realize these life truths a little bit before the boys do and as you said by the time the penny drops for a lot of our male students it's it's too little too late but i'm not i'm not convinced that's the whole story i feel like there might be more going on I think there's also, I think social media has a huge part to play in uh, how um, young children, students view education as well. Um, mm -hmm. How uh, a lot of today's, uh, a lot of people like students look towards YouTubers who don't necessarily finish school, but then have made millions from gaming online, um, mm -hmm. from uh, streaming, from, well, you see popular YouTubers making millions and billions. I think one of the richest is earning uh, tens of thousands of dollars uh, in a, a minute. I think I saw one of the sort of like. Oh, that depresses me. That depresses me on so many levels. And then there's sort of like, oh, that's, I don't necessarily have to go to school because I'm going to become a YouTuber and stream uh, to multiple. It's, it, it's interesting that that's what you pick up. So have have you had a lot of students talk to you or mention that that's their, you know, that's their aspiration in life, YouTubing? Uh, yeah, like even from uh, obviously working in Midlands now, but there was something that was said up north, like too, like a lot of people like YouTube, oh yeah, I'm going to get the grades I need because my parents want me to, but actually I'm just going to become a YouTuber and uh, stream FIFA, I think was always a popular game or <laughs> popular like, FIFA on a yearly, you always is. the release date was coming up because <laughs> YouTube, oh, so are you going to buy it? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy gaming, but I have no interest in spending my life sat in front of a TV screen playing that particular game. And you can just tell that that's what they wanted to do. They talked to it like the obsession is unreal when it comes. See, to this is I, I feel like this is this is similar and different to what I found. So I, and again, I mentioned this in the last show, but I, I, I pulled some of my classes in recent weeks about careers and aspirations and so on for the last topic. But it, I obviously saw who wrote down what and some of them put their names on it, even though I said they didn't have to. And in my one of my year eight classes, of the boys in the class, one third of them had no idea what they wanted to do at all when they got older, which to me is shocking. 
that that you'd have that many that had absolutely like usually they have delusions of grandeur at that age. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go be a doctor. I'm gonna go be an engineer at Rolls Royce. I'm gonna go do this thing and have no concept of what they need to achieve to do it. Um, the other another third had a wide range of career options, including medicine, including law, including engineering, a whole bunch of other things. And the final third of them had no career aspirations beyond wanting to be a footballer. And this this was the boys. Yeah. <laughs> so like, obviously, uh, you'd always expect so like football to be in there, at sort of, especially a year eight class. It's one of the most popular yeah. places, like, ask anyone that's there. But I think the idea is that a, of a third of them having no um, career like idea what they want to do maybe that's something we need to be looking at in terms of how to engage them younger mm-hmm. in terms of what they want to do like everyone says a footballer yeah. they want to um work in some sort of high-end amazing job but we don't actually necessarily provide them the tools and information to yeah know what they need to do that like don't get me wrong. yeah so at one point if you were to ask me lower down when i was at school why i wanted to be a footballer was definitely an answer at some point <laughs> Yeah, well, according to my according to my 13, 14 year old self, I should be on Saturday Night Live right now, and yet here we are. So it's yeah, you know we go through phases. Of Wembley multiple times. Um, <laughs> There's always time. There's always time, Dave. Um, so that that was that was a bit of a shock to the system, and and I did that poll a few weeks ago and talked about it on the last show. But I, it was the it was the boys' responses in particular that surprised me. The the girls in the class. I mean, there was there was about an equal number, to be fair, that had no idea what they wanted to do with their lives. But the the ones that had some sort of some sort of concept of where they might want to go tended to be a lot more realistic. Um, realistic sounds a bit patronizing, but you know what I mean. They they seemed to have a better grasp of what was out there and what they needed to achieve in order to, or what they needed to the steps they needed to take in order to achieve their various ideas. And the the boys, it was just. It was it was really really surprising. So I've I started to to kind of put the pieces together that I probably should have put together in September, and realized that there there must be a connection between this this lack of uh, awareness, ambition, aspiration, personal goals for the boys that I'm teaching and their uh, behavior, attitude, effort in lessons on assessments and so on like there those those two things have to be connected there's no way that they're not so um have you found have you found a similar thing to what i found that the that the boys you teach are are harder to engage in class material what subject do you teach by the way uh, i'm a geography teacher uh, but i have geography taught, um a, a, yeah geography is my primary one is what i okay. trained at but i've um taught a multi well i say multitude i've taught uh science i've taught spanish i've taught a bit of history i've taught uh, pshe uh, even a bit of re um so i've taught across the varied humanities okay a little extra um, okay now certain subjects are easier to guide the conversation around uh what type of things they want to be when they grow up um mm-hmm. but i still argue that the vast majority of conversations i have um, with boys, they're generally geared around either not knowing around what they want to do. So PSHE, for example, is a great way to find and have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
don't get me wrong, not all of them want to engage. Some of them have no idea what they want to do, uh, even higher up the school. And they find it terrifying that when I have these lessons with them and I'm like, right, guys, we're now going to spend half of this lesson researching how to go about getting what qualifications you need for a particular role that you want to be looking at uh, when you leave school. And some of them are terrified by that. They have no idea. Um, yeah. They then obviously part of the lesson trying to find what's going on they're not sure what, what they want to do but then there are some which have absolutely nailed on in their head what they want to do how to go yeah. about it and what they need to do to get there and you find that higher at the school especially so like towards year 11 um uh they obviously most schools around this point have had their mocks uh they yeah. get their grades back they then find out actually how things are going uh mm -hmm. what they need to improve and this is now probably the melting point where a lot of them are like right now i need to focus i need to uh, pay attention and it's a make or break for them whereas for some of them it's too much and they don't necessarily uh engage you can generally find yeah. sometimes find that engagement levels go down um mm -hmm. which is unfortunate but it happens across yeah the they just they, uh, it's like they start to shut down a little bit yeah yeah absolutely um and that's just PSHE. pshe uh whereas obviously teaching geography my main subject the conversations uh obviously we look at different uh, parts around the world obviously being a geography mm -hmm. don't necessarily just focus on the united kingdom but they see things happening around the world and the topics we look at and the conversations which open around so uh, how do people go about looking at these particular places how can i go about getting there what's happening in this particular yeah. country and what how can you work in this particular place if you're um like having worked and lived overseas myself uh it then opens up the conversation well right this is the job i'm doing now but actually before i used to do this and this is how i got there and don't get me wrong yeah. it's, it was a matter of circumstance but the idea is that I can have those conversations about how to get to those particular places, do those particular roles and gain a, or garner a genuine interest uh, has been interesting to say the least uh, and sometimes more difficult to engage uh, with some classes more than others um, but that's down to a multitude of different reasons. Yeah, so some of the... Um I've I've been reading a lot of literature about this recently, and one of the one of the things that that keeps coming up in the whole there's so much out there that we'll talk about it later on. But one of the things that keeps coming up is you know make it make it relevant to to their lives, their particular interests, to the students in your classroom. Obviously, we try to do that anyway. And then some other some other suggestions are you know open it out globally, try and expand their horizons. And it's like great, let's try and fit. Um, the whole world and their front room in our classroom and <laughs> try to make connections to everything and see what sticks. Um, it's it, it can be a bit overwhelming. So what I would love to hear is from any any listeners. Um, you can send a text or or call in who have similar experiences or a wide range of experiences in this or different ones and potentially some suggestions because i've got some i found some suggestions i don't agree with them all i think some of them are rubbish so if we could could hear from uh more listeners about about their points of view before we get to aforementioned literature that would be wonderful 
This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. On the 24th to the 26th of January, 2024, Bet UK is back and even better for educators. New for 2024, Table Talks empowers educators to collaborate openly and connect deeply with like-minded individuals in the education space, as well as Tech User Labs, the brilliant new tutorials and working groups at BET, where technology users will learn how to get more out of their institution's tech from the top education technology experts in the world. Whatever your goal, you'll find it at BET 2024. Educators go free. Get your tickets today at www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The big political news this week was the launch of the DfE in England's consultation on how best to implement minimum levels of service in schools if teaching and support staff unions go on strike. The BBC reports that education unions who were involved in talks with government over MSLs called the announcement shameful. One of the two options being put forward is to guarantee that vulnerable children, those due to take exams, Children of critical workers and all primary school pupils can go into school on strike days. A leaked DfE document suggests that this amounts to 74% of pupils. In October, Education Secretary Gillian Keegan said MSLs would be introduced with the unions on a voluntary basis at first. But the government could use legal powers brought in earlier this year under the Strikes Act. The DfE says the plans will protect education. The consultation will last nine weeks. All four teaching unions involved in talks reacted angrily to the announcement. Much of the media focus in recent days has been on the inquest into the death of Ruth Perry. The Guardian featured a report focusing on comments made by colleagues of the late head teacher, which focused on her evident distress during the days of the inspection. Much has been made of comments from Ofsted inspectors that Mrs Perry was upset tearful and looked like she was in pain. The inquest began after Mrs Perry's family discovered that its bid for legal aid had been rejected, but a crowdfunding campaign saw donations totalling more than £63,000. 
behaviour in schools has also been a hot topic on both sides of the England-Scotland border. The Dunfermline Press reported that Fife Council's education chiefs are trying to curb a rise in violence in schools, but they don't believe in negative consequences. Instead, children learning about bullying should be an empowering experience. In a new version of the anti-bullying policy, the aim is stated that children do not bully others because they understand the harm it causes and choose not to cause such harm. It goes on to say where children do choose to bully, we need to engage with them educationally, supportively and restoratively rather than punitively. Comments on the paper's website, however, appear to show disapproval of the policy, with one comment describing it as utter nonsense and another saying it was psychobabble. The draft policy has been issued to head teachers, guidance staff and educational psychologists for their views, before schools are asked to create a personalised policy for their setting based on the final draft. Meanwhile, over the border in England, The Guardian reports that head teachers are describing a culture of non-compliance among pupils and parents. Whereas once a parent who was called into school to discuss concerns was likely to be broadly supportive of teachers' decisions, now heads are saying parents more often side with their child and take to social media to register their feelings. Many heads also say that behaviour has changed from having to deal with lesson disruption to managing internal truancy, as pupils come to school to socialise but refuse to attend lessons to learn. Some leaders also highlighted an increase in verbal abuse and swearing. Head teachers also pointed out that whilst challenging behaviour is nothing new, non-compliance is on the increase, and the reduction in the availability of specialist support services has made matters worse. One leader summed up the current situation. Since COVID, people seem to be far less tolerant, and that includes pupils and parents. Popular quiz show University Challenge is in the news as the BBC reports that a Christmas episode has been pulled after two contestants complained about a lack of provision for their disabilities. According to the report, contestants were not provided with promised audio description for visual images or subtitles to help with audio processing. The BBC agreed to withdraw the episode after the complaints were received. Finally, the BBC features a report on a civil servant who quit her Whitehall job to retrain as a teacher. The former employee of the DfE began teacher training in 2022, and Ms Melbourne is just one example of over 35s joining the profession, according to charity New Teach. Research suggests that recent graduates are shunning the profession but older people are stepping up to fill the gap. Figures also suggest that older starters stay in the profession longer than the national average and are more representative of society in terms of gender and ethnicity. Could this be a solution to a recruitment crisis? This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Well, that was interesting. That, um, that, a bit in particular about bullying is uh, in Scotland is quite shocking. <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot on Twitter recently about that. I mean, I, I, as a child, just to be completely off topic for a moment, as a child, I feel like I had been on every single side of the bullying scenario, every possible side of involvement, including the bully. And let me tell you, I knew exactly what I was doing. <laughs> I knew exactly the harm it was inflicting. And I'm not sure... I'm not sure giving me a hug and teaching me a lesson necessarily would have been the best solution to that. But anyway, um, 
so yes definitely very interesting and maybe maybe that alongside something else perhaps so we've had some texts coming in so paul has is a primary teacher and he's said he's suggested so he says i found you can hook boys in more with references to their favorite things for example space sports gaming um girls tend to be easier to encourage through stories or relationships or friendships and that i can absolutely see see some truth in that and i can see how it would be particularly relevant to to various things that go on in primary schools absolutely um the younger they are especially have you ever taught any primary dave uh no i spent um i think it was a week in a primary school as part of my secondary school training and that kind yeah of, i had to, uh, i, I had to do the same school train teacher yep um, yeah i honestly can't imagine anything worse um props to the primary teachers you guys have yeah absolutely like, oh man sort of the like way they work outside my my patience is pretty good but i do, I do <laughs> No, primary teachers should be running the country, that's for sure. Um, Paul also says, the boys tend to want action competition or anything involving mess or disgusting stuff. Again, I can imagine, and that's why I teach secondary. Yeah. That's probably still relevant in some secondary schools as well. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. Um, So thank you, Paul, for that. And again, open to to, to any callers or, or any other texts from anyone who wants to contribute. So in the meantime... Um, my, and this, this actually follows on quite nicely from, from what Paul was saying. So when I was looking up, what are the differences and how do we teach boys and how do we engage boys? Um, I found a lot of interesting things that I'm going to come back to because we have Steve. Oh, Steve, where'd you go? Steve popped up, said he wanted to contribute and then disappeared. Try again, Steve. Uh, oh, here we are. Let's see if, uh... hello, Steve, are you there? Hi, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. I think everyone can hear you. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about you and, and your experience and, and um, what you think? Yeah, just to start with, I thought, I think everything you've been talking about so far this evening is really fascinating. Um, I'm a senior leader in a Midlands secondary school, so maybe not too far away from you guys. Um, and yeah, I've been... Um, I've been a senior leader for quite some time now and I've worked in five different secondary schools. Um, and I, yeah, I think the topic that you're debating is a fascinating one. I think there is a danger inherent in a conversation about how boys and how girls learn. Um, and I know that mm-hmm. you alluded to as much at the start of the conversation, but I think there are definitely some, you know, stepping aside from that and, you know, mm-hmm. heavily filling in my disclaimer, I think there are certain approaches that I I found interesting and and a couple of kind of avenues that I have explored to some relative success but I'll be the first to say that you know I'm not here to wave a magic wand or to suggest that there's a sticking (laughs) plaster that fixes all of this um yeah it was interesting when uh the last chap sent the messages in we're talking about primary school because I think fundamentally for me what it comes down to is a relational approach and I think yeah where where primary schools have success, um, in particular, is when you, you know, young boys have that teacher that they have for that entire year, and they build a, a really strong relationship with that member of staff. And then when we send them to secondary school, we put them in a situation where they are, you know, they might have seven, eight, nine different teachers. Yeah. And I think, I think when a relationship is built, it's something that. Um, 
my wife, who was a primary school teacher, she always talks about currency. She says the most successful people, are, particularly the teachers in secondary schools, are the P teachers. Why is that? Is it because boys love sport? Um, actually, I think it's more to do with the fact that they build relationships outside of the classroom with uh, young men. Yeah. And as a consequence, they often have currency. So they went on that football fixture they went on that school trip together and when you take children out and when you build those relationships when you get them back into the classroom you've got a little bit of currency to cash in with when the behavior's not quite right quite right you can say you know come on you know we've, we've already we've already developed that relationship you know remember when we did that you know and i think yeah. that that element it's not necessarily a, a, a classroom-based strategy but building the relationship i think boys in my experience i think that has more of an effect when you you know, getting them on side, as we say. Yeah. Um, and as somebody who spends a lot of my time walking around the corridors, having that relational approach, build it, taking the time to get to know them a little bit, it's not necessarily saying let's talk, let's teach about the subjects they want. You know, let's, you know, let's make it competitive or let's talk about football. It doesn't have to be those things, but it's just, yeah. I think boys tend to struggle with trust. And I think when mm -hmm. they trust somebody, they'll you know they'll they'll probably give that little bit more of themselves does that make sense yeah absolutely absolutely and and that that mirrors what i've i've experienced because i am absolutely not a pe teacher and never will be but i have always been involved in um in in various drama productions and and evenings and events in in the schools i've worked in and knowing the students outside of the classroom in, in that specific and intense extracurricular way absolutely impacts how how they engage with you, how you engage with them, your relationships in the classroom. It definitely carries over. So I, think, I can see, yeah, sorry, go on. No, sorry. I was, I think it's, it's a starting point. It's a, you know, I'm not advocating that we all have to go and make friends with the children in our classes because the idea is that by building that relationship, it is a stepping stone to getting them to see the value in what you're trying to, to say to them. But yeah. being, being controversial, you know, strip it right back i think fundamentally the education system is set up more for girls to succeed than boys if i'm, I'm completely honest okay think, how's that well i think if we talk about you know again being cautious of our stereotypes <laughs> we often you know i'm an english teacher so i know that when i'm talking about a text i think the, the, the characteristics of my lesson, the lengthy discussions that we might have, the fact that sometimes, you know, the structure will be flexible, will suit those that like to sit and like to think and like to reflect. I'm a father mm -hmm. of two daughters. My daughters from a very small age would happily sit with a book. Um, my nephew, not so much so. He was running around the house, mm -hmm. climbing up and down the curtains. So I think yeah. when we when we have lessons where there's prolonged periods of concentration, when there's prolonged periods of focus, that doesn't necessarily play to the characteristics of somebody who is high energy, somebody who might mm -hmm. struggle with failure, somebody who might not have developed resilience. You said yourself a little bit earlier, they might not quite have the maturity that a girl of the same age has. And again, I appreciate we're talking generally, but I think mm -hmm. classroom situations where we can create those small measurable opportunities to succeed are mm -hmm. classrooms where boys tend to feel safer and classrooms where boys tend to be a little bit more successful and I think in my experience I think you know creating those opportunities for those short sharp activities 
is yeah. fundamental to engaging. We have to build. You, you obviously have to build to a point where, you know, you are writing for prolonged periods of time. But I think short, sharp is absolutely key um, to, mm-hmm. to helping boys ultimately that are struggling in confidence and struggling, struggling with aspiration. They don't know what they want to do. They want to be footballers because they see footballers who are successful. They see footballers yeah. who've got it all quickly. Just, I, yeah. I know I'm, I feel like I'm ranting on, but I feel very passionate no, no, about no. this topic. <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> and it, it just, it, it's just, I think it's, it's creating a system where, you know, not, not where we're all in competition with one another, but creating opportunities for boys to succeed. Um, yeah. Because I think they feel the pinch of failure really, really sharply because it's about saving face it's about you know mm-hmm. being, you know competing against their their you know their friends and things and i think in i know i've seen that and i you know where 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 we get successes it's when we manage to kind of harness that that competitive spirit but in an environment where everybody succeeds if that makes sense yeah yeah it does um and i i, I feel like so many like it all just comes back to generalizations being a problem. Um, but I feel like so many of the things you said about short, sharp tasks and, and building up to things it's, you know, that applies to everybody as well. You know, some, some girls may uh, be more inclined to, to get to those longer tasks faster or earlier than the boys or, or not. Um, and some may, may prefer different ways of, of, of learning things, but it's nothing Nothing you've just suggested, nothing you've said would be harmful for any of the students in the room. So it, it is kind of, I, I suppose, trying to do what our jobs are always trying to do, which is cater for every single individual in that classroom um, and and do what's best for them, which is, you know, hard, but that's what we do. So um, thank you, Steve. Um, is there anything else you wanted to, is there anything else you wanted to add? Anything no, Anything I, else you want to rant about? <laughs> so, no, I've, I've, I'm, I'm stepping off my soapbox, but I just, yeah, thank you so much for having me on tonight. I appreciate it. No, thank you for calling in. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, Dave, does any of that resonate with you and, and your experiences of, of the boys and how they respond to what you are, how you are trying to teach in the classroom and maybe what approaches you take? Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, a lot of the points Steve made there were were great. Um, the first one he says, like building a relationship up outside the classroom, I think is absolutely key. Um, mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to go on. I've been been abroad with uh, two. Well, I've been abroad twice with the schools I've worked at. Uh, mm-hmm. One was a sporting event uh, where, because I managed a rugby team, I was fortunate enough to be invited to go along uh, to Italy for a week uh, over Ooh. Easter. And, being yeah like lucky me right uh, it was generally really good fun but being able to spend time with students that i teach in a classroom for an hour where i have to be behavior management on point maybe sometimes as steve said pulling in some of that credit that you've earned it but have them working with them and playing rugby and football uh, and coaching them through games and spending time with them outside of school when we came back by the time they got back into lessons it was a case of right lads i know what you're capable of but now i want to see yeah. in the classroom and building up that positive relationship is an absolute winner um, yeah especially when they see you as something else other than in a shirt and tie uh, yeah shorts and a t-shirt in the middle of italy it's like right uh, let's do this let's go play football and do what you yeah. enjoy 
talking about let's actually see what you're made of and absolutely amazing way to build that relationship absolutely reminds me of the time um i went on a i went on a school trip to barcelona excuse me sorry something in my throat um but we took a coach from london so spend 24 hours on a coach full of children and four other adults and none of you will ever be the same again so it absolutely does make a huge huge difference um it really does and what about what about those those classroom tips about the short sharp tasks is that anything you've tried yeah i again a great point that's raised i find that i I struggle with extended writing um i always have done i'm not much of uh obviously i learned what i needed to do get to get the grades i did but if you asked me to do the same thing again now i would sit there and be that student who doesn't well who knows what they're doing but doesn't want to say they know what they're doing they just find it difficult and yeah i think approaching tasks in a way which uh right guys we're going to do this format question right it's two points explained let's do one as a class let's go and you can see them engaging in the fact because a it's less writing to do a format question but if you use modeling answers uh building up the confidence because let's not forget in geography in most schools it's not setted it's based on yeah uh other subjects uh, they take and which option column they happen to be in so the abilities of students that you're teaching can range from grade nine all the way down to grade four or i never want to give a target grade of a, of a three or lower to a student so yeah about that. aspirationally that's not a particularly great place for anyone to be mm-hmm. so when you can see a grade nine student sat at the back boy or girl cracking on with a question because they know exactly what they're doing that's that great but knowing that in potentially let's go back to the statistics you found a third of them um are struggling with uh, how to go about even just the opening sentence it's then taking yep. that time to, right rather than setting off you've not done a nine marker before let's break this down let's yeah. scaffold it let's talk about the case study let's do one as a class or indeed let's do it as a little group here so you guys can help each other out and the attention span of boys um and and girls to be fair like rather than just yeah. doing a broad stroke and generalize so we can speak well that, that's what we're doing all hour yeah <laughs> yeah breaking it down and finding ways to engage in those particular bits i think is yeah short sharp uh, and obviously you have to do extended pieces when you need to but if they're well practiced and feel confident enough to approach the shorter ones and eventually build that confidence up so that when they have that nine marker or um well we only go up to nine in geography so i don't know what you guys have to deal with um, yeah <laughs> it's then a case of right you've got the confidence let's build this up and when they do well uh even approach uh this or have so like even the smallest goal it's like right that is amazing let's build it up for next time and yeah I think when you build up that positive relationship and build up their confidence in that regard behavior in the classroom then becomes easier to manage and engagement in lessons becomes easier to manage because they're confident in your ability to get them through the tough bits yeah and that's and that's so much of what i was finding in the, in in the research and the literature as well so so much of it comes down to confidence and this absolute terror that boys feel about being made to feel or look in front of their peers stupid to look um inept to look less manly to look um to look bad basically in front of their peers and it all so much of it comes down to um one blog post I read summarized it by saying it was insecurity, apathy, and testosterone. 
and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not convinced about the apathy because that, that to me that comes dangerously close to to calling them lazy. And we know there's always something else at play going on. Um, but the insecurity, so much of it is the insecurity, and I'm I'm trying not to just, you know, blame parental or familial failures or blame the culture we live in or blame the social media or just blame any of these, these monoliths because they're not. Um, but I really do think so much of it comes down to everything that boys, young men, grown men have been told that they have to be. And the, the terror that, that young, young, that boys and young men must feel if they are even temporarily in a position where they feel that they, they can't fulfill those, stereotypes of what an acceptable masculine man is meant to be. And if they're somehow emasculated or somehow made to look inferior or look, look bad in front of their peers, that's, that must really genuinely feel like the end of the world for them. And I'm, I'm making a whole bunch of assumptions here because I've, I've, I've never been a young man. (laughs) I've never been a boy. Um, but I, I can imagine that that is quite, that is, that is quite a real fear that they have. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Again, so a conversation that my wife and I have quite a lot of times is that there's a lack of positive role, uh, lack of positive role models uh, in the world. Um, boys are told not to, well, you're not allowed to cry. You're, um, yeah. you're not allowed to express your feelings. You have to just uh, suck it up and off you go. Whereas actually, what we need to do is be focusing on the fact that uh, we need to get boys to engage with their feelings, express how they're actually uh, feeling, and when we're able to do that on a wider and more regular basis, we'll probably find a way for boys to well, break through that barrier of bravado, that testosterone, as you just quoted there. Um, and actually, it, it doesn't matter what your mates think. Right now, we're talking about you. And if they're more open to have that conversation, then a, the whole new world is open in terms of, right, we now know what's going on. We now can look at ways in which we can try and manage that behavior or find ways yeah. in which to make you feel safer and more confident in school to start with and yeah. obviously breaking it down into particular classrooms particular subjects um obviously working in a pastoral role myself the most conversations we have around here is um in a well once we like pastorally i don't get to go outside my classroom very often um <laughs> on some days but uh, when i do it's a case of regularly speaking to the same students and a lot of it is uh i don't like this particular lesson well what is it you don't like about it um and sometimes they say a particular teacher which i don't agree with and then we have that conversation again like right that's not actually what you mean what do you mean it's uh, i find this particular bit difficult right thankfully i know the answer to this particular question i'll talk you through it and we can go there build up that confidence and right are you happy with how that works yeah, I feel better about that. Right, let's get you back yeah. And now you know how you're working, or now you know the answer to that particular question. It's a case of, uh, right, we've broken down that barrier. Let's see what other subjects are potentially struggling and we can put in intervention um, in early doors rather than sort of focusing it in a more generalized area. We can then have a look at um, bragging timetables, uh, which subjects you're struggling more in. Right, let's have a conversation around that. and. Yeah, I feel like confidence and having more positive role mod- more positive male role models is an absolute way forward, and more of them on social media rather than the quick fix, making yep. lots of money, football, YouTubers, streamers, 
and having more like more uh, real world positive role models to look up to is uh, an absolute way forward. As I said at the start of the uh, um, podcast, we unfortunately I think have a lot of things that can be blamed on social media, um, both. Uh, in and outside the classroom and yep. if we can tackle some of those things obviously we're in a school we have upteen billion things to do as a teacher <laughs> I'm not looking to solve the issue of I'm not looking to solve the issue of social media uh, in an hour but I think it's definitely something we can look into uh, and how we approach this in schools so that we can show how uh, men have grown up in a positive environment and have actually gone on to do something more yeah. than just what they generally see on was it snapchat or tiktok is at the minute so uh, yeah yeah i absolutely agree with that point yeah yeah thank you for that and we've, we've got some text that i will read in in just a moment with some primary insights as well this show is brought to you in partnership with john cat educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, -face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. On the 24th to the 26th of January, 2024, Bet UK is back and even better for educators. New for 2024, Table Talks empowers educators to collaborate openly and connect deeply with like-minded individuals in the education space, as well as Tech User Labs, the brilliant new tutorials and working groups at BET, where technology users will learn how to get more out of their institution's tech from the top education technology experts in the world. Whatever your goal, you'll find it at BET 2024. Educators go free. Get your tickets today at www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. So we've we've got some some more comments from Paul about primary school. So he says one of the biggest barriers at a younger level is boys' inability sometimes to articulate how they're feeling, why they're angry or upset, which I, is still a problem in secondary, I can tell you right now. Um, and I can imagine it's even more so when, when children are younger. Um, he also says it can be really difficult for teachers to break down those tough exteriors which come from home where they may need it to have a stronger side to survive a difficult home life, etc. Um, and Paul works quite a deprived area. Uh, I would say I do too. And, and uh, both of the schools I've worked in since I, since I trained in, in London have also been in very deprived areas. So I've seen that in, in action as well. And it's, 
it can it can be really difficult because you come into this classroom and you just you just want to make connections with these kids and you want to inspire them and you want them to achieve and you want them to to fly away and have these wonderful lives and we are constantly up against all these invisible things that these these daily battles they are fighting that we know very little or nothing about and it can be so easy and again this is true of all students who who are uh challenging at any particular time uh, it can be so easy to forget the the person behind the behavior or the the, the student behind the so-called challenge and i think um everything we've said you were saying dave and and um about uh the pressures specifically put on boys i think i think they feel that and they feel that need to be tough and to to keep those walls up they they feel that probably more than most most of our female students do so it it is it is it is so hard what we are <laughs> what we're trying to do but i like i like what steve said about the the relational approach and trying to trying to build those relationships which is exactly you know what you were saying about about um about uh kind of building them up and trying to build that resilience and and building their confidence and building their social and emotional intelligence from the pastoral side but also in the classroom you know it's all these these balls that we're trying to juggle um and i feel i've i've had a lot of conversations recently with people about because there's so much on edgy Twitter that is just noise, but there, there's so much. <laughs> Are you on it, Dave? Um, Are you on Twitter? <laughs> okay. I don't mean Twitter, obviously. I mean X, because why would anyone call it Twitter now? Um, I'm not old. There's so much on there that is also useful and you get all sorts of interesting viewpoints. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of conversations right now about, you know, um, how students should be, sanctioned for various things and and you know to what extent we should be these you know bleeding heart teachers that just care about the child and are willing to let ourselves get walked over all these really uh, hyperbolic statements and it's to, to me it's it really comes down to the question of what what should be versus what is like what should be is that boys don't have to deal with any of this boys don't have to manage toxic masculinity boys don't have to put up with this boys don't have to um worry about that stuff and have this chip on their shoulder all the time that's what should be what should be is that students can come to the class everyone respects every member of staff in the school they respect each other they want to learn they have aspirations for themselves and they just get on with learning that's what should be but that is very clearly not an ideal world yeah, it, and that's not what is, and and we're not we're not going into a fantasy land when we walk through our classroom doors. We're trying to, you know, do the best with what we have, do the best that we can for these young people, and give them the best chance that they that they can possibly have. That's that's why we're here, and we have to work with what we've got in front of us. We have to meet them at their level. We have to meet them where they are. So, I I do think. Personally, I do think a, a relational approach is is the way to go. Obviously, maybe not you know Scotland level. Let's let's give bullies a hug and a candy cane, but I I do think that is probably the way forward because the nature of that approach requires you to consider the individual and 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 build a some sort of um, connection with that particular child rather than. Um, treating them as a number or kicking them out if they can't get it together one time or, you know, all of these things. So 
so much so much of so much of the noise on Twitter slash X and so much of the arguments I have with various professional friends really, really comes down to that what should be versus versus what is issue. Um, and I'm starting to feel like I'm back in some sort of uh, first year of uni philosophy class and I'm, I'm a bit it's a bit late for that. Um, so do you have yes, <laughs> dangerous territory on a Monday night. So um, is there is there anything you want to add any any final words of wisdom any any final thoughts dave um i think sort of like a lot of the things we discussed um a lot of i think it's important to say a lot of uh teachers are doing uh a lot of the stuff we speak about on a regular basis and engaging huge amounts of students in what we do uh i think if you were looking at all the provisions we could provide a lot of it comes down to as one of the news bulletins mentioned funding in schools uh needs to be looked at and i think a lot of these well a lot of issues could be solved by funding in the right areas and uh what we could do with that in terms of providing more emotional support resilience having uh school trained counselors in schools to break down some of these barriers and Mm -hmm. i think was it paul you mentioned uh in very deprived areas where these barriers have to be built up as a form of protection i think if we could find ways uh, and manage those uh, properly we probably find that engagement in classroom would then follow swiftly but yep um we do with what we can uh mm-hmm. and i think even if we get a majority of our students through the door with the grades they get to go on and do whatever they've particularly set their mind to even at the last minute <laughs> um, <laughs> then at least then we know that we've done our job as educators to get them the grades that they deserve uh, mm-hmm. on their CV so that when they walk through a door uh, they aren't going to turn around they're told to sit down and wait their turn for an interview yeah yeah that's that's so much of all I want <laughs> trying to focus on the uh, on the the end goal and the positives I think that's how most teachers have to get through the day especially in December it's very cold yeah. all right um, thank you so much Dave and uh, Steve, if you're still listening, and and, and Paul, if you're there, thank you so much for your contributions. And um, hope you have a lovely remainder of your evening and a wonderful rest of the week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.